NPTE StudyCast. All right, welcome to NPTE StudyCast. I'm Jimmy McKay, and this is Bridget Ripa. Bridget, welcome back to the show. Thank you. We're jumping back into neuro, and we're going to look at Parkinson's disease. Briefly describe that pathology. Parkinson's is a chronic and progressive central nervous system disorder that results from death of the dopamine-producing cells in the substantia nigra, which is the part of the basal ganglia. So now let's get into the what's involved part so we can kind of geek out a little bit on uh, our neuro knowledge with Parkinson's disease. Yes, geek out, nerd out. Basically, the biggest components that you need to remember when it comes to Parkinson's disease is that the basal ganglia, the thalamus, and the ipsilateral motor complex are what's involved. So if you remember, the basal ganglia regulates movement to control sequencing, muscle tone, muscle force, coordination, things like that. It also communicates with the motor plane areas of the cerebral cortex through the thalamus. It's important to recall that the neurotransmitters that are involved are GABA, which is inhibitory, glutamate, which is excitatory, and dopamine, which can be both inhibitory and excitatory. You'll also recall that there are two pathways within the basal ganglia that modulate this movement. So there's the direct pathway, which facilitates movement, and the indirect pathway, which suppresses movement. Fun fact, the basal ganglia, my favorite ganglia. Your favorite one? I spent a lot of time in PT school in front of a dry erase board drawing those two pathways (laughs) that you just talked about. Oh gosh, it brings back good and bad memories, I think. I agree. special tests. So when looking into Parkinson's disease, proving it and disproving it, what's involved? Right. So there's actually no objective test like a blood test or imaging that confirms a Parkinson's diagnosis. It's actually more of a clinical diagnosis based on past medical history and signs and symptoms. A definitive diagnosis is actually only possible after an autopsy. So the clinical manifestations of Parkinson's disease are typically classified as cardinal signs and other signs and symptoms. So for the cardinal signs, it's easy to remember TRAP, T-R-A-P, where the T stands for tremor, the R stands for rigidity, the A stands for akinesia, or sometimes you'll see bradykinesia, and then the P stands for postural instability. And then when it comes to the other signs and symptoms, they're typically classified as motor symptoms, signs, and non-motor symptoms or signs. So the motor signs and symptoms can include what you typically think of when you think of Parkinson's. So that's the freezing of gait, the forward flex posture, incoordination, dysarthria, dystonia, and hypomimia, which is decreased facial expressions. And that's kind of the referencing that mask of Parkinson's disease, right? Exactly. Exactly. Some of the most common non-motor signs and symptoms are loss of sense of smell, sleep disturbances, mood disorders, orthostatic hypotension, and constipation. Some of the other non-motor signs and symptoms can include things like depression, dysphagia, hypophonia, which is that low voice, which you'll see a lot with people who have more progressed Parkinson's. It's really hard to hear them. And then silurea, but that's excessive drooling. Micrographia, which is people who write really, really, really small. And then just things like fatigue, general stiffness, and cognitive dysfunction. In order to be diagnosed with primary Parkinsonism, a patient must demonstrate two out of four cardinal signs. Sometimes a CT or MRI will be performed to rule out other diagnoses. Sometimes doctors will put patients on a trial of levodopa. And if they have a positive response to it, that can also be used in diagnosing as well. That was really good. I like that. How to disprove okay, it, improve it. Keep in mind for the test, typically they go for the common things. So when, when you're referencing mm-hmm. cardinal signs, look yeah. for those, right? So when you hear hoof beats, 
Think horses and not zebras. Aim for the cardinal <laughs> for NPTE. Differential diagnosis. You mentioned a little bit about differential diagnosis when we were talking about proving and disproving it, but what other things can come into play? Yeah, so I think it's important to mention here there are different classifications of Parkinson's that helps with understanding the differential diagnosis. Keep in mind that there's primary or what sometimes is also called as idiopathic Parkinson's, and then there's secondary Parkinsonism, and then the Parkinson plus syndromes. Primary or idiopathic Parkinson's are subdivided into subtypes based on symptoms. So that can be either tremor dominant or postural instability slash gait disturbance. So those are kind of those two subtypes for primary Parkinsonism. Secondary Parkinsonism can be subdivided into categories such as vascular, drug-induced, infection, or toxins. And that's basically related to why somebody is demonstrating these symptoms. Finally, your Parkinson's plus syndromes are conditions like progressive supranuclear palsy, PSP, and people have probably heard of that PSP stare. Another one would be multiple system atrophy, so MSA, or corticobasal ganglionic degeneration. But it's also good to know the characteristics of each of those Parkinson's plus syndromes, like PSP and that PSP stare, which is that, that vertical gaze paresis. From a standpoint of other differentials, some of those could include essential tremor, just due to the nature of, of tremors being exhibited with a lot of um, patients who have Parkinson's, and then dementia or Alzheimer's due to the, the cognitive aspect of the disease. Treatment examples. When you're working with individuals with Parkinson's disease, where does your head go? When you're a PT working with somebody with Parkinson's, it's kind of a multi-step approach that involves several different healthcare providers and working as a team. So the major categories that we can't directly impact but should be aware of are kind of the psychological support, potential surgery. Some of these patients will get a brain stimulator and that might be indicated, as well as pharmacology. Frequent communication is necessary about types, dosage, schedule of meds. You remember you'll hear a lot about patients on and off times, and then that has to do with when they're taking their medications, when their medications are most effective. And then from a psychological standpoint, depression is the most common psychiatric symptom in Parkinson's patients. So just being aware of that and being able to refer your patients when necessary. And specifically for PT, exercise is actually the only disease-modifying component in the management of Parkinson's. So all treatment will depend on the stage of Parkinson's. It's important to understand the goals of a physical therapist for Parkinson's, which are to slow down the progression of the disability. So you want to optimize their participation in home and work and recreational activities. You want to optimize their independence and their safety with functional mobility and tasks. And then you want to preserve or improve, if possible, their physical capacity measures like strength, range of motion, endurance, falls prevention. All this can be done through high-intensity aerobic exercise, treadmill training, probably heard of the big and loud, the LSBT yeah. big and loud, Lee Silverman's voice treatment. So that can be applied to movements as well. And a lot of times certain sports like boxing or dancing or Tai Chi will be used because those sports use those big gross movements, which are great for patients with Parkinson's. And then you also want to consider balance training, dual task training, strategy training for cognition and cueing. So then I also talked about the LSVT Big and Loud Lee Silverman's Voice Treatment, which is a standardized research-based specific protocol. And as a therapist, you actually have to be trained in that. What to know for the test.
All right, yeah. we wrap things up with taking a look on how this might be presented on test day. What are we looking at there, Bridget? Right, so I think MBTE questions may focus on a clinical presentation of the patient, and you would have to classify the progression of Parkinson's symptoms using either the Honan-Yar scale or the Unified Parkinson's Disease Rating Scale. And reviewing what each category or classification is within those scales would probably be helpful. There may also be questions about which outcome measure would be most appropriate based on the clinical presentation. Remembering some of your outcomes like the best test or the mini best test, the freezing of gait questionnaire, or the Parkinson's questionnaire 39. So this might be one of those times because you might get more than just one question on Parkinson's. It might be good to know things like the outcomes associated with it. All right, that's an inside look at Parkinson's disease here on NPTE StudyCast with Bridget Repo. Thanks, Bridget. Thanks, Jimmy. NPTE StudyCast. Brewed by the PT Pinecast.